Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Caroline. And I'm Kristen. Today we are talking about hair or not hair or some hair or a little hair, long hair, back hair, men hair. Men hair. Yeah, men hair. I happen to be very pro man hair. Um, I am dating someone who has a fantastic beard. It is a glorious beard. I've seen it, Caroline. It's a glorious beard. And you know what? I didn't always prefer beards. It was in college, I would have said no to the beard face. But I don't know, something happened in my formative post-college years. And and now now I am pro beard. Pro beard. Yeah, I, I am dating a gentleman who is less hairy and I love him just the same. <laughs> I'm also very pro beard, mm-hmm. uh, and but and he he gets a, a, a nice little scruff, but no, it is no glorious beard like your your gentleman's beard. I will say that. Right, and um, he does. My, my gentleman uh, does a little bit of cleaning up. He does like the barber shop on occasion to get it to get it shaped, but he's not big into like. A whole lot of manscaping. Mm-hmm. And we should say that this episode is not devoted to beards, but we have to start this conversation off with the beard because this rising popularity of men and their beards is not, not, not to be confused with a metaphorical beard. That's another podcast episode. <laughs> uh, this beard popularity, though, has had a fascinating ripple effect in the male grooming industry. Right, and in marketing and advertising in general. So let's talk about this quote-unquote trend, shall we? Yes. Um, and we know it's a trend because a million different publications have told us that it's a trend, including the New York Times, who back in January, all the way back in January of this year, reported on beards as if they were this fancy new thing out of Brooklyn. Yeah, and all of it, sort of kicked off with the White House press secretary, Jay Carney, coming out for the first press conference of 2014, sporting a beard. And so the New York Times says, well, if there are beards in the White House, then (laughs) something must be afoot. Because they also cited, too, Lloyd C. Blankfein, who's the Goldman Sachs chief executive, who was wearing a beard at the World Economic Forum. And when I say wearing a beard, I, I feel like that sounds like he, it was just like a scarf that he wrapped around his face. Yeah, or it had little hooks that hooked behind his ears yeah. that he, yeah, he would take off. Yeah, no, Um, even Matt Lauer and Al Roker were sporting beards as part of No Shave Today back in November, as part of the whole Movember movement, mm-hmm. growing your mustache in support of men's health. And um, it, it's just funny to see facial hair reported on as if it's like hot pink stilettos or something like, oh, my goodness, look at what they're wearing. Well, I I didn't do any research into the author that the this re- New York Times reporter, but I'm curious just in this fascination with men of great social status, sporting beards. I'm wondering if this reporter was a little bit older because for our parents generation, Having a beard would have been considered very counterculture. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's, you know, this may be baffling to them that it's this almost not status symbol, but it's a cool thing for a guy to have a beard. And I will say that my favorite phrase also from that article was, quote, duck dynasty style monstrosities. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, no, I will say that the Duck Dynasty beards are monstrosities. And I, I risk getting hate mail for this. But those men, some of those men on that show are are handsome, the younger men. Yeah, they, there is some handsome, handsomeness behind those beards. But yeah, there's a there, there could also be a lot of things, uh, objects hidden within yeah, those beards. Judging too. by, OK, so the days that it's cold outside and I'm wearing a scarf, judging by the amount of food crumbs I find in the scarf at the end of the day, I can only imagine what they find in their beards. Yes. Yes. Whole Slim Jim, <laughs> cheese cubes. But this this beard thing is apparently such a trend. It is so popular and in style right now that people are going so far as to get beard implants. And there aren't any hard numbers around the uh, this rise in beard transplants. But anecdotally, at least, plastic surgeons are saying that more men, and especially men in their 20s and 30s, are coming in plunking down up to $8,500 for beard transplants. Well, see, that's weird. My question is, like, once either this is not a trend and it's not cool or you just personally decide you don't want a beard anymore, aren't you left with scars? I mean, I don't know how transplants like that really work. Yeah, I have no idea. There there wasn't that was left out of all of these reports on beard transplants was how, you know, what happens if you don't want that hair anymore. But speaking of scars, the guy who d- first developed this procedure, Dr. Bessem Farjo, over in the UK, he was the founder of the Farjo Hair Institute, and he developed this uh, beard transplant, particularly for people who were victims of burns, who had a lot of face scarring, mm-hmm. sort of as a way to cover it up. But now it's just more of a fashion statement. Right. And Dr. Jeffrey Epstein, who's a midtown Manhattan-based plastic surgeon who was quoted by the New York Post in February of 2014, says that uh, his clients want full beards because it's a masculine look. Beards are an important male identifier. So there's that aspect of it. You want to look manlier. But the New York Post itself referred to this as a hipster-inspired style, a lumberjack meets roadie hybrid that was made popular in neighborhoods such as Williamsburg, Bushwick, and Park Slope. So they're very, like, hammering down on the fact of it apparently stems from these certain neighborhoods. Yeah, I mean, those are those are definitely the hipster hotbeds in the Northeast. Um, and Epstein says that he now performs two or three of these procedures each week. And what they do is take hair from other body parts like a dude's head or his chest and then hair by hair implant it into the face, which sounds horrendously painful. But again, anecdotally, patients seem happy with it. And uh, there was a follow up article on this in CNN and they went around to other hipster hotbeds, which made me laugh and reported that also plastic surgeons in places like Portland, (laughs) Austin, Nashville and even over in London uh, are are seeing this trend as well. I thought I seriously thought this New York Post article on it was a joke. I, no. I seriously did, but then, but it is not, and I it just blows my mind because I don't personally that I know of know any guy who would actually go through with it because it seems like such an undertaking. I do know guys who are insecure about their inability to grow beards. Um, actually, a uh, shameless plug for the Sminty YouTube channel. I did a video recently called The Science of Stubble looking at why some guys can't grow beards because, yeah, I've talked to, to friends who might just have, just have patchy beards or mm-hmm. can barely even grow a, a little shadow over their lip. 
And so I think that, I think there is some, some self-consciousness out there because yeah. beards are also considered that sign of outward masculinity. Even though, Caroline, fun fact, it has nothing to do with your levels of testosterone if you cannot grow a beard. Good to know. Yes. I'll, I'll keep that in my back pocket. Yes, you remember that, Caroline. I will You growing, that. not being able to grow your beard does not mean you have low, t- low okay, that actually might mean you have low testosterone. <laughs> um, well, hopping on this uh, conversation bandwagon is GQ, um, who declares that the trend is actually over. Based on the fact solely that the New York Times has said the beard is a trend, GQ says it's no longer a trend. They're they're ma- mainly making fun of the New York Times article, but they're pointing out that, hello, plenty of businessmen, both past and present, have sported beards. Yeah, uh, Scott Christian cites Steve Jobs, Ben Bernanke, Larry Ellison, uh, former richest man in the world, Carlos Slim, all these different guys of, you know, prominent stature who have Beards and his headline kind of summed it all up. Beards are officially uncool because the New York Times called them a trend. And there is, I mean, New York trend pieces like this are hilarious because they are often so completely obvious and make a lot out of what is kind of a little. And he describes them as the media obverse of Cartesian philosophy. I think, therefore, I am no longer. So once New York Times says, something is, then uh, apparently Brooklyn guys are going to be running home and grabbing their razors. It's kind of like the equivalent of my mother getting on Facebook. Yeah. It's kind of like, okay, all right. all right, it's over. All right. Um, but, I mean, okay, so, so now we're getting into the whole point, which is this beard trend, man, it is hurting razor sales. And a lot of these companies like Gillette and Braun and other companies like that are turning to other options to make their money. Yeah, and what they're essentially doing is saying, okay, well, guys aren't as concerned about shaving their face every day. So what can we make them more concerned about (laughs) hair-wise so we can keep selling these razors? Oh, yeah, body hair, manscaping. Right, so according to NPR back in January of 2014, I love it because it's the same time as these beard trend stories are coming out. NPR starts reporting that Procter & Gamble uh, is complaining that this facial hair trend is hurting their sales in their razor division. They even, Procter & Gamble, even singled out Movember, uh, which is the tradition of growing facial hair to promote awareness of prostate cancer. They even singled that out as part of the reason why their sales are down. They also say it's sparked by a shift to disposable razors over the traditional blade and cartridge systems. But because of all this, they are turning to manscaping as an answer to declining sales. And by manscaping, we mean guys shaving things other than their faces. And um, for a little more specificity with Procter & Gamble's razor sales, the sale of their razors and blades were down 7.8% in the 12 weeks through December 21st. So that does seem to correlate, perhaps, to Movember. Um, and But their entire grooming division, which includes razor, shaving cream, and deodorant, was actually up 3% last year. But, um, I mean, but that's not a huge number. So I, I don't know. I kind of wonder... How much of this is also Procter and Gamble just sort of taking 
advantage of the trend to say, oh, yeah, yeah, we were really scared of beards. So uh, we, were, we were selling all these other things, right? Uh, like this razor sold by models, guys. Look, it's Kate Upton. Yeah. She doesn't like back hair. Uh, right. Yeah. They had they hired Kate Upton and two other models to basically shill for different types of Gillette razors, different manscaping things, you know, it's, they're like, here, let's just get some really attractive women on camera to tell you how disgusting you are to breed this insecurity so that you'll buy our products to clean yourself up. Yeah. And along with these videos of Kate Upton, and I was a little uh, disappointed to see uh, Hannah Simone, who is on The New Girl, um, talking about how guys just like need to shave. I mean, and it really, well, I'm not trying to make fun of women, it really was in the tone of like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if we shave, guys should shave, and especially their chests and backs. And it's the same kind of insecurities being peddled to women of like, ladies, we should shave. So guys, male models will want us. Right. And this this definitely is not a new uh, MO, because this is exactly what Gillette did a hundred years ago to women. Basically, uh, women were not shaving any more than men were. But in 1915, Gillette created the first razor specifically for women, but it had to create the market for it. And so, you know, there's all of these this like huge advertising blitz calling body hair unsightly on women, creating this desire among women to basically, you know, clean themselves up, so to speak, by getting rid of body hair. It also coincides with, you know, the rise of flapper dresses. So you've got hemlines going up, sleeves coming off, advertising preying on newly created insecurities. And I do really like that the that the very first Gillette razor for women was called the Milady Decolleté. So, oh, milady, milady. Oh, yes. And because it wasn't until even after that, about a decade later, that a woman bearing her underarm with her arm over her head was shown in a magazine for the first time. I mean, the underarm was a part of a woman's body that you wouldn't even see, mm-hmm. much less feel that you needed to shave. Whereas today, of course, if you're a woman who chooses to grow her armpit hair out, you're considered this total radical. Yeah. Who uh, certainly couldn't be, you know, at all interested in in men because why? You have hair in in two spots on your body, two very <laughs> small spots on your body. It is funny how how grooming can be considered such a rat. Different types of grooming can be considered so radical. But Lisa Wade over at uh, the Society Pages. And her blog writes about how this is sexual objectification of male bodies. This is it's the same thing that happened to women. It's now happening to men. And they're using advertisers are using uh, gender ideology to sort of breed this need to follow directions, for lack of a better term. Yeah. I mean, if you think about all of the images that you see of guys in magazines, of uh, famous actors, two movie images also pop up in my head when I Think about this evolution, this quick evolution, actually, of these, uh, you know, telling guys that less body hair is better. Mm-hmm. You have Steve Carell in The 40-Year-Old Virgin getting his chest whacked, right. waxed because, oh, he's a virgin. He needs to have sex. So let's get rid of all of his unsightly chest hair. Ha mm-hmm. ha ha. And it's so funny. And then fast forward also in a movie with Steve Carell, uh, Crazy Stupid Love, where you have Ryan Gosling's character completely just rippling with muscle 
and he is not sporting a beard. He's to- there's not a single chest hair or back hair in sight, and it's just that emblem of this what's called sanitized ideal of masculinity, where what is hot and sexy for a man is a lot of rippling muscles. And no hair, which is a far cry from, you know, if you think about back in the day of like Burt Reynolds lying on the bearskin rug. Yes. Right. And we'll talk more about men's body hair or increasingly the lack thereof when we come right back from a quick break. And now back to the show. So before we left you, we were discussing, I'm sorry, what was it? Just Ryan Gosling's rippling body. That's what we were discussing. And Steve Carell's chest hair. Okay, but like I said, Ryan Gosling's rippling, hairless body. Um, But (laughs) Ryan Gosling is far from the only dude to go hairless. I mean, way back in the day, if we're talking ancient Egyptians, they put a put a premium on men being hairless and ripply as well. And this is coming from Brown University psychologist Michael Burroughs. In his 2009 dissertation, he he talks about men hair removal, gender ideals, all this kind of stuff. And so he he tells us that it is definitely not a new thing for men to want to remove or reduce their body hair. And so ancient Egyptian men, he says, would often turn to pumice stones, using pumice stones or like crude razors to remove their body hair. But somewhere in there, the hairless norm falls out of favor for men. I, I'm assuming around the time that Burt Reynolds really comes up. Yeah, Burt Reynolds really- just exploded the whole like hairless thing, and he was like, "No, I, I'm here. Here, my chest hair." He came Lore. actually out of the womb with that mustache. That's, that's right. Did you? Know? He and Tom Selleck, man. Yeah, my mother loves her some Tom Selleck. Um, and so basically, since then, it's been considered t- normal only for women to be hairless. Thank you, advertising. Thank you, cultural norms. So today, it, like you said, it's quite common for men to want to reduce their body hair. And um, so Michael Burroughs did this research on specifically undergraduate men. That's important to pay attention to that population because I think it is sort of a generational shift that we're seeing. And he found that 80.9% of the guys that he talked to depilate, take off some kind of hair, not including facial hair. And in his research, he focused also a lot on the maintenance of pubic hair and found, oh, actually, a lot of guys are also trimming their pubic hair. They're trimming their underarm hair um, because previously you had a couple of studies here and there. Like in 1987, there was this one study that he cites that explores attitudes about men's body hair. But the researchers did nothing to look at, you know, how many of them actually remove it because it was such a norm at the time. And really up until Burroughs' research, the only time you see um, any kind of acknowledgement of systematic male body hair removal would have been with athletic groups, like mm-hmm. guys, you know, like bikers who might, or cyclists, I should say, who shave their legs or swimmers who shave their bodies. There might be biker gangs with guys who shave their there legs. There could also be, yes. That's I'm sure that's, it's a niche, but I'm sure it exists. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and he found in his study, talking specifically about manscaping the nether regions, he found that 59% of men reported trimming groin hair, whereas 41% reported actually removing it altogether. Mm-hmm. There was also this uh, interesting correlation that he found, and this was for both women and men, with the amount of body hair in a certain you know physical area and dissatisfaction 
with that body part. So mm-hmm. he found that the more hair, for instance, you have that grows on groin, chest, arms, the less people tended to say that they liked their groin, chest, arms. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm, I wonder how dissatisfied the ancient Egyptians were that they had to use pumice stones to get rid of it. <laughs> get it off! Get it off! Ow. Ew, how, how much would that hurt, though? A lot. But, okay, so speaking of... The groin area. I mean, men are men are out there getting bikini waxes too. It's not just it's not just the ladies. Oh, yeah. um, the New York Times talked to several people at various spas and things, and Mike Gendersky, who's the president of Bliss Spa, and he says what we're finding is it's everybody. It's the gay community, it's the straight community, it's very conservative guys, it's liberal guys. He talks about how it's basically all different age groups and backgrounds, and that it's much much bigger than we ever thought. And they, the New York Times talked to one guy who said, look, if I have that expectation of somebody else, I would probably want to return the favor. Well, I have a feeling that that kind of message, at least according to men at the guys who work at these spas who are doling out these bikini waxes, that message might not just be, you know, kind of uh, of their own volition. Sure. A lot of times, at least for stray guys who go in for waxes, it starts out with a wife or a girlfriend saying, hey, if I have to clean up, <laughs> let's talk about your back hair. And then they come back and they become return customers because apparently they really like it and they mm-hmm. enjoy it and they probably get a lot of positive affirmation and reinforcement from said wife or girlfriend. Um, whereas I think uh, maybe with the gay community, it's just more, it is more of a norm. It's a little bit more expected. Sure. Um, well, Bur- going back to Burroughs, because he is like the most recent body hair expert, I would say, he talks about a lot of the reasons behind this. It, it is a lot of encouragement from partners. It is societal pressure through advertising and through magazine covers of ripply hairless bodies. But one thing he also found was cleanliness is is a huge push. A lot of people, both men and women, will cite the desire for cleanliness in both First going to get waxes and and things like that and then maintaining them. They feel like they're cleaner being hairless. Yeah. And I think that ties into the sexuality aspect of this. I know that if you look at research on women and pubic hair waxing, that cleanliness is often cited of. Yeah. I mean, there's the whole thing of, you know, wanting to feel sexier and assuming that less hair down there will make you feel sexier. But it's also tied to this cleanliness thing. Mm hmm. That he also ties it to uh, a desire to look more muscular, uh, to make genitals look bigger, just to kind of fit in with some mainstream ideal of what's sexy. And Burroughs does cite uh, from his various surveys that a lot of people, a lot of men are focused on sex appeal and youthfulness. So there's there's all these interesting like people are striving to look younger, sexier, more muscular, basically shiny. I don't know. Somehow shiny hairlessness equates to to youth, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, I do think that media messages in the same way that it influences women's body images so often in our hairless ideal. Um, Burroughs also talks about how he says, uh, quoting some magazine publishers, for example, they'll say there hasn't been a magazine cover that has displayed a man with chest hair in 10 to 15 years. Hmm. And all of these razor companies are also catering to this sanitized ideal with recent introductions of all of these new kinds of razors that are specifically designed to trim 
body hair. So they're getting educated in the same way the razor companies educated women a hundred years ago to remove everything. Now we're telling guys, ew, back hair is just gross. Well, another group that Burroughs has looked at extensively is bodybuilders. Because, you know, there have been a lot of studies on bodybuilders, body dysmorphia, um, and sort of this masculine ideal that a lot of bodybuilders tend to have body dysmorphia, so they don't think they're as big as they are, but also this sort of idea that maybe women want men who are more muscular than they really do. Mm-hmm. Um, but so Burroughs, in a 2005 study, found that 16% of the male participants questioned said that it would disturb them if they were hypothetically unable to remove their body hair. An additional 18% rated their anxiety to be in the moderate to extreme range when asked how they would feel if they could not shave or trim their body hair for a few weeks. So that's actual anxiety. That's actually tied into like a conscious mental thing that you're like, I am not going to look as good. I'm going to look terrible if I don't get rid of this body hair. I have a guy friend who he's kind of eased up in more recent years, but especially when he was in his early and mid 20s, he shaved his chest every summer. He was so embarrassed of his chest hair, even though it it was always baffling to me because I thought that chest hair was like this manly thing. Mm-hmm. Like I thought guys would like chest hair. Um, and I also briefly dated a guy who um, too early, I will say into dating informed me jokingly, but not jokingly that when summer rolls around, he, you know, shaves his back and he asked me if I would ever shave his back for him. And I just, I don't even know what I said. Um, Cause I feel like you could pay people for that. Yeah, but it was just so odd to me. I was like, well, you have back hair now. I mean, I just don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I get it. Like, mm-hmm. I can understand. Um, I, I think it's just, uh, it's interesting to see this kind of male anxiety really coming to the forefront in an ironic way mm-hmm. in this era of beard. Yeah. You know, what's going on with that? It's like one, there's one specific type of hair on a man that is okay and sexy. And apparently that is a beard. And everything else, just no. hairless. Yeah. It's kind of a funny image. Just like a, a shiny, hairless man with just so much facial just hair. Just a massive beard. A Ken doll yeah. sporting a giant beard. Ken doll. Hmm. Interesting. But the thing about, I guess, social pressures, whether it's from advertisers and marketers or magazines, media, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, Burroughs points out, look, you know, Men have the option to stop. That's very true. It's okay. You might, you might, you know, be dating a guy who is shaving his chest, waxing his back, you know, trimming this and that, but it is socially acceptable for him to still have that hair at the end of the day. Whereas with women, like we talked about a second ago, like it's, it's considered almost radical if you sport body hair. Oh my gosh. Yeah. If you, I mean, how many jokes? are made about, you know, women loving the wintertime because no one's going to see our legs, so we don't have to shave. But even then, it's just like, oh, but if someone does see our leg hair, then God forbid. We'll be cast out. We will be cast out. Just cast out. But one thing that is worth wondering about, so a 100 years ago, this all, all of this conversation was happening about women. Women getting rid of body hair because of advertising, creating this demand for hairlessness, basically, or or cre- breeding insecurity because of it. 
Well, now you now that you have the same thing going on with men and manscaping and have your beard but don't have your chest hair or don't have any hair in your groin, um, there's all these products that are coming out. Gillette, Braun, they all have these razors that are marketed specifically as manscaping razors. So one thing that Burroughs was wondering, too, is that, you know, are, are we seeing maybe a permanent shift for men the way we had a permanent shift for women when it comes to removing body hair? Right, because I don't think we will ever see a full shift away from women being expected to remove body hair. Although there have been, uh, you know, articles talking about how bikini waxing is, or at least Brazilians removing everything in the pubic area is not as demanded now for women. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think we're going to see shifts back and forth with that. But for men, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the beginning of what boys today will assume is just fact mm-hmm. when they, you know, as they grow up and as they start sprouting body hair. I mean, I have young nephews and I'm I'm sure that they're like thinking about all these things because they're sitting around watching television, seeing commercials of guys, you know, taking off all this stuff and and men with hair being considered gross, unsexy punchlines like Steve Carell in 40 year old virgin. Yeah, exactly. Because that's all that's all laugh. Ha ha. Funny. Wink, wink. But it's like it's still no, you're gross. Mm -hmm. Like that's still the message. No, this is gross. This is a guy who women don't have sex with. Yeah, because he has hair. And I will say, at least for, at the very least, for women, it, uh, it kind of just makes sense of what your, the rules, oh, I don't want to say makes sense, but the rules are very straightforward, where it's like, just remove everything, mm-hmm. take all of the unsightly hair off. But the now, now like the prescriptions for what men should, in quotes, look like is have hair in some places, a little bit, not too much. As long as it's on, not on the back, than nothing at all. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's very site specific. Yeah. And I, I think it also maybe says some interesting things about where we are with 21st century masculinity. It's sort of in a similar space of like, be masculine, not too much, only in certain spaces. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't know. I, I'm so curious to hear from Guy listeners on this one. Yeah. Guy listeners, do you feel pressured to remove your body hair or are you defiantly hairy or do you just not care? Yeah. And if you're a guy who's not hairy, because I think there's still that insecurity for men who can't you know, grow a beard or might not have a lot of chest hair. I think there's also still, you know, insecurities on their end of not appearing manly enough. So I don't know, guys, what do you think? Think about this. Are we thinking about it more than you're thinking about it? Is the New York Times thinking about it more than you're thinking about it? Yeah. The answer is yes, regardless. Yeah. And if you have impressive facial hair and, and you want to send us a picture of your beard, you know we love beards. That's right. So we'll, we'll accept those as well. We really want all of your thoughts on male body hair. Momstuffdiscovery.com is where you can send your letters. And you can also tweet us at momstuffpodcast or send us a message on Facebook, and we have a couple of messages to share with you right now. So I have an email here from Kelly in response to our episode on revenge porn, and she said, I listened to your podcast about revenge porn, and while I had heard about it before, it rang a bell of more recent events. I'm a reporter at a newspaper in Utah and remember seeing legislation to criminalize it. I looked it up, and it passed both the House and the Senate, 
and is awaiting Governor Herbert's signature. While I would never send pics of myself, I'm so glad Utah is being forward-thinking about this matter. Love your podcast, especially when you use the term lady bits. <laughs> so thanks, Kelly, and that is good to know about Utah passing that legislation. And hey, also Utah legalizing same-sex marriage. Utah, what's up? Really? <laughs> Moving forward. Okay, well, speaking of lady things, I have a, an email here from Chris. She says, regarding your March 11th episode about the words lady and ladies, when listening to you talk about the need for a word to refer to a group of women, I couldn't help but think that there is already a good word for this in the South. Y'all. Y'all is a gender-neutral collective pronoun that should serve nicely. In formal situations, the speaker could revert to the origins of the word and say, you all. Examples, what are y'all up to tonight? Or what are you all doing for your next presentation? What do you think? Should we broaden and promote this Southern archaism? I am totally pro y'all. I am pro y'all. I say y'all all the time. And it confuses yeah. my cousins from up north, though, because they don't think I really have an accent. But then I'll throw a y'all in there because I can't not. I mm-hmm. always say it. Yeah, I think it's handy for that specific reason. Sure. It's all-encompassing, it's gender-neutral, and it just rolls off the tongue really, really nicely. It does. It sure does. Y'all. So thanks to all y'all who have written in. MomStuffAtDiscovery.com is where you can send us your letters. And for links to all of our other social media contacts, podcasts, blogs, and videos, there's one place to go. It's StuffMomNeverToldYou.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Bye.